Welcome back, me sweet listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The Me Sweet podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C suites lead the companies we most admire. The C suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, is everything running smoothly in our day-to-day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, we are going to address listener feedback. Now, the really good thing is that we have a lot of listener feedback. That means people are listening. And a lot of the questions I've been receiving are about the episode with Anna Dutra, where we talk about assembling your personal board of directors. Many of you have written in about, I'm intrigued by the concept. I'd like a little bit more guidance on how to think about who's on it, how to get started, how do I use them, et cetera. And since it was such a popular theme, I have brought a me sweet listener into the studio with me today. His name is Ellis Isler. We're going to ask Ellis to be a vessel. So he is representing the multiple listeners who've been asking questions about board of directors in the studio with me today, we'll do a back and forth Q&A that is aggregating the various questions that we've been getting. So I think this will be really, really interesting. So Ellis is an attorney. He is a fitness enthusiast. He's a world traveler. And because I can see him in the studio here today, he's quite fashionable. Welcome, Ellis Islar. Thank you, Donna. Appreciate that kind introduction. (laughs) So let's get started. I think uh, you were helping to aggregate the questions Mm -hmm. around board of directors. Do you want to start with your number one? Sure. So I, I love the concept. Um, I've re-listened to the episode several times. And I think that where I'd like to dive in really is specifically on the who. Okay. Who do you ask? Um, I'm, I'm totally bought in on the concept. I even feel like I'm ready to go on the how do you ask. I thought it was interesting when you guys discussed the, the concepts of being clear uh-huh. with your ask, both from what role do you want this person to play? Do you want them to be an enforce reinforcer or a you know, tell you that your baby's ugly. Yeah. So I'm yeah. clear on that. I'd, I'd like to dive deeper into the who. Okay. Um, thinking about myself and some other people that I've talked about this concept with, we're curious about what this might look like for someone who is younger, someone who is earlier in their career. Okay. Recognizing those can also be different things. Yeah. So yeah, kind of who and how would that look like compared to someone who is more mature, someone okay. like Anna who has the the wealth of experience as she does. Right. So let's break it down into two pieces. So the first part of your question about how to think about who to bring in, uh, and you may remember uh, listeners from that episode, we're targeting about three to five. It really does need to be a manageable focused size. And I like to go back to board of directors is B-O-D. And use that as a guide to remember, who do I really want to be bringing in? And it's B-O-D. Think about the B being buddies. These might be people closer to you who really understand what makes you tick. They can probably finish your sentences for you. A lot of people have buddies on their boards because they know that they'll get the honest feedback, but it can also be a balance of cheerleading. The O, I like to think about as the outside perspective. So someone that might be helping you get to where you want to be, 
because they have an outside perspective of a network, an outside perspective on an industry, an outside perspective on a trend that you know you want to skate there. I don't do well with sports analogies, but it's basically (laughs) skate where the puck is going, I think. Uh, You know you want to get there eventually, and you need somebody to help you see that future. And so that person on on a board would be your outside perspectives person. And then the D I like to talk about is being a figurative doctor. And that is where you have someone on your board who is hearing a situation, and they are diagnosing based on their experience, what advice they think you need to have to, for example, manage a difficult political relationship at work or to help you build more confidence in your job search or to help you make a decision about a relationship that you are getting serious with. So BOD would be think about the buddy category of a member of your board, think about the outside perspective person, and then think about the figurative doctor. Okay. I love that. I think that's really great. And and I, let's unpack the buddy a little bit more. Okay. Because that's also a question I had, and I think a mm-hmm. lot of people shared from when I discussed this concept with them, yeah. which is, what are the pitfalls or, or to be to watch out for if you are choosing a buddy, if you're choosing a close friend, someone that knows you well? Yeah. So, at the core of anyone that you bring onto your board, it doesn't matter if you've known them for two minutes or twenty years. <laughs> at the core of who you invite. It has to be someone who has your best interests in mind. So if it's a buddy that you know will do that and there won't be a weirdness around competitiveness or a weirdness around they might have difficulty celebrating for you if they're going through a more difficult time in their own personal lives. So really just think about, rather than think about it, is it it a friend or is it somebody that is more of a professional relationship? First filter is, can that person interact with me with my best interests in mind? That's filter number one. There's a lot of research on this, very recent research. I would encourage people to get a book that's called You're Not Listening. And the book is by Kate Murphy, and it's this concept, a real thing called closeness communication bias. And the concept is, maybe applying to your buddy question, the concept is those in our lives who know us the best may often be the worst listeners. Because they know us so well, they kind of know what we're going to say, and so they don't listen as acutely. I like that concept. That makes total sense to me. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. So it's made me think, do I want to rethink my own personal board of directors because do I have people on it that maybe now know me so well that we've been working together in that capacity for a while that they really know where I'm going and then maybe their listening isn't as heightened as I'd like it to be? So I would think about that one also as a potential weakness that you might have if people on your board are too close. That's interesting to me from a, in a work context as well. Mm-hmm. I've heard from some colleagues, both whom I work with and otherwise, that when people are promoted into a management position uh-huh. and then they have to manage their peers, yeah. that is often a difficult dynamic for them to translate. Oh, yeah. For them to actually go from being a manager who doesn't want to destroy a friendship or even alter it mm-hmm. um, to someone then has to give that targeted feedback and listen both ways. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting dynamic we can apply, not just in 
interpersonal buddy relationship, but yeah. also just some, in some work professional context as well. It's also a really good real life example of how you might use someone on your board to work through a work challenge that you're mm-hmm. having. It's a perfect work challenge that you just demonstrated. I do think, though, I missed the second part of your first question, though, around what I think differently about a board of directors if I were newer in my career versus more established in my career. Was that a question also? Sure. And it also ties into, I think, on what you're, what you're looking for advice about. Uh-huh. I can even think of this as someone who's very young, someone who is in high school or applying for college uh-huh. or just looking for a job right after college. There you have some immediate objectives. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you want to get into college. You want to find the job you want or anything along those lines. Yeah. I think for someone like me who is a little over five years into legal career, mm-hmm. it's you have to be a little bit more intentional about coming up with what you want advice about. Yeah. I think that's an interesting component. Um, and then it's also interesting listening back to to people like to Anna and to you and otherwise that have had such a varied, you know, varied experiences in your career. Mm-hmm. You have those wealth of former mentors, former managers, former people you've worked with. I think that that library might not be as big for someone who is five, 10 years into their career. Uh-huh. So then what are or are there any benefits or pitfalls to if you say to look within a closer network? And I think that's what mm. I was curious about by the friend concept as well. But it can also be, can you yeah. look within your personal network of your current manager, mm-hmm. your current coworkers, people that have a more day-to-day presence in your life? Yeah. Can you also cultivate this? mentorship board mentality with them in a similarly productive way? Yeah, this is a really nice question. The answer is absolutely yes. You can look to people that are more close in that proximity as long as they're passing the first and most important filter, which is do they have your best interests in mind? Sure, perfect. Yeah. And I also want to twist something around that you said. Last two years ago, I had a board of directors member who was 23 years old. Oh, wow. So I deliberately went out to a different generation person because I felt that year I really needed to focus on how to inspire, engage, motivate a different generation of a workforce that I didn't have experience with. I also want the listeners to take away that a board of directors person doesn't necessarily have to be the older, wiser person with the white beard. Sure, sure. It it could be, it's back to what you were saying. First, identify what you want to work on. And then that will help identify who you need. And that that what you want to work on is also curious to me. Mm Because I think it's easy to think too high level as well as too focused. I think it's easy to come up with the short term of, I want to get better at a particular activity. Uh I think it's also easier to think very life vision focused of, I want to be a better person. I Uh want to have more meaningful relationships with people. But how do you drill that into something actionable Uh that also falls into the advisor category, not just someone that you would bring into your life higher for for a specific purpose? Yeah. So here I do want to introduce another book, if I may. Okay. Uh, And this book is called The One Thing. And it's a co-author with Gary Keller of Keller Williams Realty. That's the Gary Keller guy. And Jay Papasan. Basically, they've written a book that helps you prioritize what's the one thing that you can be working on because what gets focus flourishes. But in old school language, it would be what is Ellis's strategic plan for your own life? Right. 
And we would typically have a one, three, five strategic plan in business. So what's your personal one, three, five strategic plan? And then what do you want to accomplish 30, 60, 90, 120 days to that plan? So I believe that you're using a board of directors for these shorter term timeframe needs, as well as the longer term journey needs. They may be different people. Okay. So for example... If you knew that you had a priority in 2020 to end the year the most energized, healthy you've ever been, there might be somebody on your board that is specifically around the motivation for health and wellness. And those are shorter term goals. Sure. Right? So they may be an accountability buddy that doesn't let you eat the candy bar or talks you out of the chicken wings. Right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, you might have somebody on your board that is about, I'm making this up for you because I know you're an attorney, maybe you envision opening your own practice in three years. And do you have somebody on your board who has run an attorney practice and helps you start to think about what it would really mean to be a CEO of a law practice? Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to have both. Again, going back to what Ellis's strategic plan is. That's great. And that, almost, that, o, that almost hits on the O of your BOD, having, does, you know, having yeah. someone who's almost been there. Yeah. You know, someone who, someone who has been, been at the place on the road where you want to be and mm-hmm. go. Yeah, exactly. The other mental model to think about is start with the end in mind and work backwards. Sure. So as you're doing your strategic plan for your own life and you're thinking about, well, do I have short-term goals I want help with? Are they long-term goals? It start with the end in mind and identify it. Uh, I like the expression, name it. <laughs> name what you want and then back up from that to determine how quickly can you work on it? How quickly would you be able to demonstrate progress against it? Do you have it in control or do you need to go out to get a board around it? And if you did go out to get a board around it, would it be the buddy, the outside perspective or the figurative doctor? That's such an interesting parallel, just this whole podcast in general and that uh-huh. concept of how you can tie business principles to yeah. your personal life. When you were running through that, I was reminded of conversations we've had at work, which mm-hmm. are start with your desired end state, yes. start with your vision, yes, then build it. Right. So, but no, it's, it's an interesting thing and positive thing I think you're doing with the, with the show. Yeah, well, thank you. What other questions are on the list? So for those of us who are bought into the concept, how do we get started? So getting started setting up a board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting started setting up a board. Yeah. So I, I love in the me suite to have advice that is what could I start doing differently on Monday. Right. So it's aspirational and practical at the same time. And what you could start doing differently on Monday is, number one, have you articulated the end in mind? The one, three, five-year plan. I have to be honest. I don't believe I personally have ever had a five-year plan. That's a little much for me. Right. I really, I mean, five years sounds like, I don't know, eons. I don't even know (laughs) what that means. But one, two, three is very tangible to me. Uh, So I usually have one, two, three-year plans. But you have to start there and articulate your end in mind. And if you've done that, you're identifying your needs because it may be a lot of that you've got. I've got it. I can do this all alone. But there might be a gap in your knowledge or your understanding or your motivation. Mm that makes you go out and get the members. So let's assume that you've done that strategic plan articulation of what you want one year, two year, three year. Then your next question is, is it a buddy? Is it the outside perspective? Is it the figurative doctor where you need advice? Then you have to reach out. 
Right. And in order to reach out, you have to be able to give very clear guidance to the person, what are you asking? Just like you would at work. If you went out and asked someone at work to join a project initiative, what's the first thing they're going to ask you? What's my time commitment? (laughs) Right? Right. Why did you pick me? Right? Right. What's my involvement going to be? And you really need to treat it almost like a project charter for them. It's, this is the question I want your help with. This is the frequency I would like to be reaching out to you. And ask them, are you willing to come on board for this time frame? Let them know it has bounds. Because we often change our boards of director members, you know, as our life changes. You don't right. latch on to somebody now and have them forever. Um, so you're giving them an appreciation of why I need you, how often I'm going to need you, the question I'm going to be asking you to spar with me on, and the time commitment. And then give them, as you would with any relationship, give them the ability to have a graceful no. Because no is an acceptable answer. And tell it to them up front. No is an acceptable answer because I'm actually asking you to work. Right. Right? On my behalf. Right. And, And part of the work I need you to do is have my best interest in mind and either be my cheerleader, tell me my baby's ugly, point me in the right direction, introduce me to your network, and allow people to have a graceful no, I think is really important. The worst that can happen, which is actually not horrible, it's not like nuclear war, the worst that can happen is that you have somebody who commits, you don't use their time respectfully, they don't feel like they're adding value, and it becomes an awkward relationship. Correct. That's the worst that can happen, right? Because you're your brand is all you've got and you need to be preserving it as you're nurturing these relationships. Perfect. Yeah. How individualistic is this plan? Yeah. Would you say it's 100%? Would you say it's 75? Yeah. At the macro level, the two themes in common, it doesn't matter who you are, what career you're in, how old you are, where you are in that career, a board of a personal board of directors is used for two purposes personal goals and professional Correct. goals yeah it's really really quite simple personal goals and professional goals the hard work is you narrowing down enough the few things that you want to focus on because if your list is too big nothing will happen And that's then back to the reference I made to the book, The One Thing. Right. Uh, It just gives you some tricks for how to really narrow something down and track yourself against it. And it's also, I think, a better way to run the board of directors relationship because they really understand what lane you want them to fit in. Uh, And it helps them help you because your ask is much more clear. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So, Ellis, thank you for helping us curate the questions that we've been getting from listeners about getting more practical about the board of directors. And listeners, please keep those questions coming and we we can do another session like this if it's helpful. But you know, Ellis, I cannot let you get out of here without sharing your core values. It's just what we do. Of course. So what are your core values and how do they guide your decisions? So I think that that's the best way to think about them and the way I got started is how do they guide your decisions? Uh And I'm sure like everyone you've asked this question to, they appreciated the opportunity to go through that exercise for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I say, unlike most people, I did not come up with singular words. I did not come up with standalone words Uh that represent my core values. 
Instead, I'm going more for the quote approach. Okay. Um, I do think that I used to have post-its on my computer monitor at home with some of these, but these quotes through stories, I think really encapsulate my core values. Nice. The first one is, you're a prisoner of your own experience. Okay. And I got that from a friend's travel blog, so I'll just add on to it. You're Uh. a prisoner of your own experience. Widen the walls. Nice. I think in the context of travel, my friend's travel blog, it's easy. I like having a sense of adventure. I like experiencing new things. I think everybody should dive into something new with a certain level of zeal. Uh But I think we also need to apply it, and I try to challenge myself to apply it to situations where I'm lacking confidence, situations where I'm afraid. It's a new experience. And that's exactly the question I'm asking myself. Am I slow to get started? Am I fearing something? Because it's new. Uh. And if it's new, I can then usually pretty quickly get a handle on it, Mm -hmm. start to motivate myself to move forward, because then it's no longer an unfamiliar experience. Mm -hmm. The prison cell that is the experience of my life is now wider. It's more enriched. Yeah, it's a very powerful image. Mm -hmm. That's one. I think that another one is Mm -hmm. the Zelda Fitzgerald quote, actually, which is, she quietly expected great things to happen to her. And no doubt that's one of the reasons why they did. Okay. So I view this as really a self-improvement thing. Mm-hmm. An um, intention. And it, exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Setting an intention. Uh-huh. Setting an intention with confidence. Yeah. That you can accomplish what you set out to. You can accomplish what you want to. Of course, uh-huh. you don't need to be delusional in that. But you need to have the confidence that you can, you can do something and mm-hmm. set the bar ever higher. Mm-hmm. There's, you're never going to get to the end of the journey, but keep setting the bar. Have the drive for yourself to accomplish something new and that you can do it. Yeah. I think there's also a flip side to that one, though, okay. which is if you don't expect great things to happen to you, they won't. Just turning uh-huh. the quote upside down. I think I use that as a reminder for how I engage with other people. Uh-huh. I think that it is our role with friends or with colleagues or with family members to always ask, you know, how can you support, motivate, and encourage others, facilitate experiences? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. The drive has to come from within. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, not to say that if people don't expect great things to happen to themselves, they won't. But I do think that we do have to be mindful of the fact that people are responsible for their own drive. They're responsible for where they want their life to go. It's our role to facilitate, not to be that inspiration. Nice. You make me want to change my name to Zelda. (laughs) That's a good one. And then the third one is, it's a new one. It's actually, it's a core value that is evolving for me, but is coming into focus. Interesting. Which is the idea, it's a little, it's it's more outward facing than the first two, but it's the idea of making people feel special. Uh, And this actually came to me in those words at my grandmother's funeral. uh And it was really fascinating because several people said to my mother and me at various points, these same collection of words, which were your grandmother, your mother always made me feel special. For me, that is, that's, that's so cool. That is, that is what. I would want someone to say about me at my funeral. That's mm-hmm. the way I would want to interact with people on a day-to-day level. Mm-hmm. For us, it was a little funny. It was a little surprising. Not that we expected my grandmother to not make people feel special, of course. <laughs> she was loving and caring, um, especially with people she loved. But she was also very tough. Mm-hmm. She was very, she expected the best of us. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure she would even subscribe to the, the part two of the Zelda quote, which oh, is yeah. <laughs> that the motivation has to come from with it. And I think she would have said, I will inspire people. I will get them moving. Um, So I've really tried to unpack what that means. And I've only come up with this. And that's why I say it's an evolving core value, which is 
not conveying superiority. Uh, when I think about my yeah. grandmother and the way that she drove my mother and me and other people she was close with, uh-huh. it was never from the spec perspective of do this because I said so. Do this because I'm older and wiser and know better. It was do your best because you're capable. Do your best because if you're not, you're wasting what was given to you. Wow. In a way that's it's very... In you. Correct. It's uh-huh. very empowering. Uh-huh. I think when you think about it that way. And I think it was such a broad application. It's like, how do you motivate people to be their best sense of themselves? Yeah. And that's making people feel special. She was prophetic. That is at the core of brain-based coaching. Mm-hmm. That it's in you. Correct. Wow. Well, Ellis... You have made me feel special <laughs> by coming on to the Me Suite and representing a lot of the listeners and the questions that have been swirling in their minds. So I think you've, uh, you, you've done a lot of good here today and really appreciate your thoughtfulness and sharing your core values with the team. And may 2020 be your best year yet. Likewise. Thanks for the experience, Donna. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast, share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. Suite like executive suite. That's the-me-suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.